listening to Dooner, how are you, man? Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Dooner, uh, here with the dude, Michael Vincent. Dude, did you, any, love. did you do any grilling over the weekend? I grill every weekend, but yes, man. I had some brats, some shrimp, I did lobster. It was my wife's birthday this weekend, so she wanted grilled lobster. So yeah, we did it up. Yeah, so my new, my new favorite website, The Daily Meal, is back. And today, they listed the top how-to grilling terms by state according to Google. What do you think Tennessee's was? I don't know. Uh, possum? No. <laughs> but no, seriously, though, living here for 15 years, I really can't imagine that there's a many Tennesseans that, uh, is that right? Tennesseans? Tennesseans <laughs> that uh, need any advice on, on barbecuing or grilling or, or smoking anything. So uh, any, at least meat, maybe seafood or something. You know, this insight, this insider insight that you have from living here proved well, because you know what it was? It wasn't meat at all. It was zucchini. It was zucchini. zucchini. Yeah, it makes my excellent. It makes my vegetarian heart proud, dude. But uh, not every food, not every food is better grilled. I would, I would, when I used to eat meat, I'd argue that like a steak, for example, better on a cast iron skillet. Do you have an opinion? Yeah. What is better on the grill? What's better off it? But first, let me say I agree with you one hundred percent. I do grill steaks, but cast iron skillet is the way to do it. I mean, that mm. that's 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 the way to do it. It is. I agree. That's one hundred percent excellent. Zucchini is excellent, but my favorite thing is uh, Dooner to do is I actually make a weave a blanket out of bacon and then wrap a meatloaf in it and smoke it over applewood. That's awesome. That sounds delicious. You know what's also delicious? The comment section on LinkedIn and Facebook. If you're tuning in along, let us know where you're uh, where you're coming in for, what you grilled over the weekend, all that good stuff. See you in the comments over there. We got a lot to talk about today, including what's new with PPP, raging freight flows. That's good news for some. And we'll get all the latest on the elect on electric trucking in order. We've been talking a lot about Tesla and Nikola. Today we're going to be talking to Thomas Healy, CEO and founder of Helion. So we'll get an idea of what's going on in that space. Alan Adler, our Detroit bureau chief, who spent years in GM working with hydrogen electric cells and all of those things, will break down this market for us, talk to us about SPACs and all those kind of things, and maybe help us decide who's which horse to jump on, right? Three different companies, three different approaches to market, all really exciting. We also have a uh, we also have play it forward guest, but before we get to them, let's tip the band for our new sponsor. This week, connect to win with Redwood Connect, supply chain integration platform for Redwood Logistics that connects every last part of your supply chain, turning the logistics maze into a freeway. It connects your disparate, hard to manage silos using a drag and drop platform that is so easy, so easy, it feels like magic. Learn more about Redwood Connect at redwoodlogistics.com. Want to do some headlines? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do some headlines, man. Love it. Here's some good news. People staying afloat by PPP. Trump signs PPP extensions. The program will live on at least till later in the summer until August. That's right. John Kingston reports that late on Saturday, July 4th, President Donald Trump signed the extension of the Paycheck Protection Program into law, according to the White House. The signing comes after both the Senate and the House passed an extension of PPP via unanimous consent votes. When the program's Authorization ended on June 30th. The PPP had dispersed $520.6 billion to 4.85 million uh, recipients. The average size alone, though, through June 30th was 107,000. The number of lenders who participated in the program was over 5,000. Wow. Okay. Lots of numbers here. Let's break this down a little bit. So the 520.6 billion didn't account for the entire authorized amount, Dooner. It was, which was roughly. 
$659 billion was the entire uh, authorized amount, though the first uh, amount of money that was given was $349 billion uh, and was exhausted after about two weeks in, in early April, if you remember. And uh, Congress then passed the additional funding to take up the authorization to $659 billion. But the additional amount was, was uh, not dispersed yet. Our Arkansas Mo tried, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he certainly did. I wonder if he's on. If I wonder if he's going to try again so he can pay his lawyers. Uh, that means, but what this means, extension will make available another 140 billion for the borrowers. But this is not new funding in the extension. It's a continuation of of before that hasn't been dispersed yet. So they didn't even approve. They didn't approve new money. They're just extending the amount of time you can go and claim it. That's right. That's right. By the way, Catherine Whitehouse, she says grilled steaks, corn and shrimp this weekend in Connecticut. Hope all had a safe and happy fourth. You as well, Catherine. Uh, Todd Amon, he's the president and CEO of ATBS, which has helped truckers through this PPP process. He said it was likely that the process for obtaining the loans may have kept some truckers from applying. Now, this is interesting. The rules changed frequently enough that the Small Business Administration, which administers PPP, kept putting out clarifications and updates almost weekly. They kept hearing that the money was going to run out. So why bother? So that messaging that was out there from that first round, that the money was all gone so quick, it meant that a lot of people didn't come back for that second round. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even during the first one, if you look at trucking companies, et cetera, it was, there was a very low amount that was given out to truckers, right? If, if, or trucking companies, if, if I remember correctly, in the very beginning. But yeah, and a small percentage, anyways, too. Yeah, yeah. And, there, and so, you know, there's been a school of thought that the PPP kept alive some trucking companies that might otherwise have gone out of business. I'm, I'm one of those that kind of uh, thought that way and uh, think that way. And uh, we'll see what happens. But when the money runs out and PPP money can uh, now be used to cover certain uh, expenses for up to 24 more weeks or for 20 up to 24 weeks up from an original eight weeks. So that's a heck of an extension. The view of these of those espousing that theory assumed a lot of them would go out of business uh, and then tighten capacity. I mean, it seemed logical, didn't it? it? It seems completely logical. I think it's still I mean, it's still a possibility. This doesn't really change a whole lot of of that. That, that thought process, but it does extend the, the, the monies for a while. Well, Eamon only agreed with part of that. He said the PPP funds did help keep some companies alive. He said in his email, and this is a quote from him, but now they are working hard to make it in the new normal business environment. So I don't expect a bunch of PPP zombies to disappear in the next 90 days. Banks will work with folks on payments or extensions because they don't want assets back in this environment. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I'm kind of with you. Yeah. I'm still skeptical. I, you know, the money, the money has to come from somewhere. We know where it's coming from right now. We don't know where it's going to come from and how it's going to go back where it needs to go after August 6th. Exactly. We, we really that's that's the magic thing. When this stops, then we'll find out exactly what's going to happen and who were the zombies that were being uh, supported, as as it has been said. Oh, T-Mole, he says, uh, we went simple. Hamburgers, hot dogs, and brats in Michigan. Can't wait to do some beer canned chicken this coming weekend. Oh, I've had that. I have the brick chicken, too. You guys ever have that? Chris Jolly says, I haven't had the brick. Chris Jolly says, happy Monday, everyone. Looking forward to the show, Dooner and Michael Vincent. All right, let's talk about some fall. Amen. Freight volumes are up 45% year over year. Yeah, that's right, 45%. This seems unfathomable just a few months ago, but here we are now. Volumes have continued to burst all around the country last week. Carriers are rejecting loads at rates only seen since the March panic buying buildup that didn't last very long. We hit that freight cliff very, very quickly. We all know the fallout from that. Spot rates have been bid up above 2019 levels in many markets around the country, but this is 
But it is unlikely that this trend continues, given there is typically a significant drop drop in outbound freight volumes after the fourth. However, volumes are so high at the moment currently that even a significant decline could still keep OTVI above 2018-2019 comparables. Yeah, absolutely, Dooner. The outbound tender volumes continued to really gush in many of the regions uh, around the country last week. And the outbound tender volume uh, index peaked at nearly 13,000, as you pointed out, on, on July 1st. Uh, for only the second time in its three-year history, with the first coming just three months earlier in March during the uh, pandemic-induced buying spree, the preponomics, et cetera. Uh, the current volume of freight flowing in the U.S. cannot be overstated. Besides the March demand uh, spike, there's not been freight demand like this in recent history. To put this in a little better perspective, today the holiday trough sits almost dead even with the peak of 2018, Dooner. So wow. the drop-off that you see everybody's at home during the 4th, that level of activity is almost dead even with the peak of freight movement in 2018, which was a banner year, as, as we all know, in freight volume. And the OTVI currently sits more than 22% above the 2018 holiday trough. So in our lowest point right now, that probably will be the lowest as it picks up throughout this week, we're still 22% above the trough that happened on July 4th in 2018. Now, Michael Vincent, there's typically a surge in volumes leading up to Independence Day as shippers try to clear as much inventory as possible. So let's circle back to this at the end of the week because we have to talk to Thomas Healy, but I'm very excited to see where freight flows go during this week. Where we kind of left off last week was with some excitement, anticipation, but trepidation for what may come in July. Some bulls, some bears. So we will see how this week uh, walks out. You and I, we like to hang out on the data when we're talking freight, right? Right on, bro. <laughs> All right, let's bring it. <laughs> we'll do it. We got Thomas coming on? Yeah, Thomas Healy. So you talked to him on the Midday Market Update. I believe it was on Thursday of last week. I did. He's a, right. Hey, Thomas Healy, this is Dooner and the dude on What the Truck. Thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Now, I uh, so I know a little bit about you. You are a Carnegie Mellon Tartan alum, right? <laughs> There's, I am, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to do a Roshark test really quickly. There's two famous alums from Carnegie Mellon that, I, that I'm aware of. Pop art icon Andy Warhol, an inventor of Java, James Gosling. So who's a bigger influence on you, Andy Warhol or James Gosling? <laughs> well, Andy Warhol is definitely the one uh, from Carnegie Mellon that, uh, that everyone knows about. And so... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to go with, with him just cause since, uh, you know, going to Carnegie Mellon, um, you know, he was our, always in, uh, in the classes we had and in the discussions. And I mean, obviously, uh, remarkable individual. Nice. Are, are you talking on your golden phone right now? Like Andy <laughs> would be, I mean, didn't, didn't Jim Morrison give him a gold phone or something so he could talk to God or something crazy like in that? In the movie, <laughs> in the Doors movie, the Oliver Stone one he did. <laughs> no, so I'm definitely just on my iPhone right now. <laughs> gotcha, yeah, gotcha. No, no hey, gold phone Thomas, it's good, good to have you back on and talk to you again so, so soon, Thomas. I'm glad to see we're doing this by phone so you don't have to have somebody waving their hand in front of the motion detector for your lights like <laughs> last Thursday. <but. laughs> hey, Thomas, was, really, for uh, those here about Hylion for the, for the first time. Uh, what is Hylion and why the name? Where'd the name come from? Yeah, so Hylion is a powertrain provider of electrified solutions for the commercial vehicle industry. Um, and, uh, you know, the name uh, really speaks to exactly what we're doing. Uh, Hylion stands for hybrid lithium ion. So hybrid drive systems uh, connected with lithium ion battery packs. Whoa. 
Exciting. I, I like the name. Now it all makes sense, too. I, I, it almost sounds like like a medieval warrior or something. Like, storm the Hylion. But, uh, <laughs> but so, you, so we, usually, we usually have bets going on our end of how are people going to pronounce it. Is it Hylion or Helion or Hylion? I got <laughs> Helion. Get all sorts of mix. Before, before I ever heard it, I thought it was Helion. And then our friend Alan Adler, who's going to be on later, too, to sort of break down this really exciting electric truck landscape that's going on. A lot of different companies getting a lot of intention, including your own. Your own, but one one person that you caught attention to of was YouTuber Alex Mai, and he stopped by your shop for an impromptu test ride, which you obliged. She posted this on Facebook. Another former guest of the show, Trevor Milton of Nicola, recently extended offers to Tesla fans to check out his truck. How important, though, is it when you're providing this technology, is it to prove this technology at this stage and doing so by winning over, I guess, one influential social media person at a time? <laughs> Look, we, we uh, you know, last week Alex stopped by uh, unannounced. Uh, we, it was actually kind of funny. I, uh, I got a, a text from someone saying, "Hey, we get, there's a trucker coming from California to Austin, and uh, I just watched his video. And you know, by my math, he should be to your place within the hour." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, interesting. Okay." Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, Alex showed up. He met with some of our our team here, uh, and then. Uh, I was tied up for the day, but he was uh, kind enough to stick around to the afternoon. And, uh, and yeah, we took him for a ride in the truck. We we showed it to him. Uh, you know, our our big thing is, uh, you know, you know, with Alex, you're, you know, when he stopped by, it was, hey, if you, you know, you took the time and effort to come all the way out here, the least we can do is, uh, is show you what we're doing. And uh, you know, he, yeah, as you mentioned, he does have a, a fantastic uh, um, following on on YouTube, and you know, hopefully, it kind of just you know, helps promote and get the technology out there and, and show people that it's, it's real, you know, what, uh, what we're doing there, you know, we have solutions out on the road. You can, you can go drive them and, uh, you know, the, the, the experience, the benefits is, is all there. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're at a phase now where it's really about executing to, to get the technology deployed and out on the road. And, uh, you know, we've gone through that invention phase already. That's excellent stuff. Very accommodating. It was awesome to hear. I loved reading that story where he said he was walking away, but he got a text. Hey, wait a minute. We're going to show you this stuff. And the, the you know, test drive $52 million hyper truck is, is a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good headline to catch, catch some, <laughs> catch some uh, interest there. But so on, on last week when we were talking, you, you went through this uh, for me and for, for our guests. And, and I'd love for you to oblige and, and do that again is and we, we talked about this. I've been at companies before in the asset side where they tried, uh, you know, liquefied natural gas, et cetera, for production. And they were they were kind of dogs. I mean, this was early on in the technology a long time ago. What is the difference? Exp- explain the the why why the combination of the two, the batteries and, the, and then the RGN or RNG, I should uh, say. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, what we're producing, the hyper truck product is a fully electric truck. Uh, same thing as what Tesla is doing, same thing as what Nikola is doing, right? The, the actual powertrain of the truck is electric. All of us have battery packs on board as well. The difference between the three solutions is where does the electricity come from that actually charges up the batteries? So with Tesla, what they're doing is they're plugging into the grid in order to recharge. Nikola is using a hydrogen fuel cell, um, you know, converting hydrogen into electricity locally on the truck and then using that to charge batteries. What we're doing is we're leveraging natural gas and specifically renewable natural gas, RNG, as the fuel source behind the vehicle. And what that's what the way it works is, you know, you refuel the vehicle with natural gas, then that natural gas gets converted into electricity through a generator that's on board the truck as you're going down the road. And so 
you're kind of constantly recharging the batteries as you're going. And, and the benefit of this is that you get all the upside of having an electric powertrain. You get the really high horsepower, high torque, the strong efficiencies. But you also get the benefits of natural gas, which is the infrastructure is already set up out there. The cost of natural gas to refuel is a lot lower than diesel and even a lot lower than fully electric or hydrogen to refuel, as well as you get the emission benefits. And when you're actually using renewable natural gas, it actually creates a net carbon negative or actually a you know, below zero, uh, so a negative emissions profile for the truck. Um, which is a, a huge benefit to, uh, to, you know, to the environment. Hey, Thomas, do you consider the Teslas and the Nikolas of the world as competition? Or are you after the more traditional buyers? Is there room for everybody? How do you see this playing out? Yeah, definitely see that there's room for everyone here. Um, you know, I think the industry as a whole is kind of doing a, a global shift towards electrification. Fleet owners from the discussions we've had are at a point where they're really trying to figure out what electrified powertrain solution is going to work the best for them. And depending on what market, what terrain, what areas you're running in, there are some where fully electric makes the most sense, where hydrogen makes the most sense. And then, you know, our approach of, you know, electric with natural gas, you know, we see this as one where if you're a regional type hauler and if you're a long haul over the road type hauler, this is going to be the most cost effective, the best emissions and the easiest uh, solution to adopt out of the three. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't applications in areas where the other two make a lot of sense. So, um, so from that standpoint, you know, we see it as, you know, we think we have a, a pretty universal and global uh, type solution uh, that can meet the, the needs of, of most of the trucking fleets out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is anyone that's coming in and promoting electrification, promoting towards using cleaner fuel solutions, that's going to be a big win for the industry. And, you know, also while keeping in mind that, in order to make this really work for the trucking industry, we got to figure out how to do it cost effectively, as well as in a way where it's not going to disrupt the whole supply chain. Right? You can't you can't have uh, you know trucks broken down on the side of the road. They can't get service. You can't have trucks that are running out of fuel. They can't get service. Right? We really got to figure out how we meet all those requirements of the trucking industry in order to make sure it's easy for them to adopt these type of solutions. So on on midday market update last week, you know we talked about the different trends in in, in electric in electric vehicles and electric trucking. And, and one of the things that we talked about was, was really the range of those, right? So is it really the, the, the electric truck with the, that, that goes the furthest is, is the winner or can go the furthest, the easiest when you talk about infrastructure and, and refueling? Yeah, I think so. It's, it, it, there's a combination of a lot of things, right? I mean, it, it's, um, and, and there's no there's no easy answer to it, right? I mean, there's pros and cons of, of all the solutions out there. You know, I think one, one of the things that is really unique and differentiating with our solution is the range that you can get out of the vehicle, right? That's kind of one of the common things um, that trucking fleets face is if you look at an electric truck, either you got to do a really, really large battery pack so that you can drive, you know, your 500 miles a day. But at that size of a battery pack, it's going to cut into how much cargo capacity you can put in the trailer. Or you can do a smaller battery pack, but you're going to get limited by how many miles you can go every day, right? So one of the benefits with our solution is we actually have a pretty small battery pack uh, because, you know, we're not trying to charge it up once a day and then drive all day. We're constantly recharging it as the vehicle is going down the road, which then really puts you at a, in a position where your limit is how much natural gas you can put on the vehicle. and and with the you know the advancements of natural gas storage solutions over the last handful of years here on vehicles, 
you know, we can get over a thousand miles of range out of the truck. So it puts wow. you much more comparable to wow. to a diesel truck today. So Nicola did a Nicola did a SPAC similar to what you're doing with Tortoise Acquisitions. Nicola, so maybe we can learn something from them. They had a massive surge, right? And it was great for them. They went up to like $90 before falling into the $50 range this week. Why should people invest in Highland? You're doing this similar SPAC. A lot of people are going to view your company similar. So how do you maintain the long-term value of your company? Yeah, and, uh, and I apologize. I do need to be just a little careful about kind of what I say because we are in an SEC review period sure. uh, right now. So. Uh, so, I mean, I think from our end, and just kind of sticking to, you know, the, the information that, that's in the public domain already about us is, you know, we think we have a really unique solution that, you know, brings electrified powertrains, bring the benefits to fleet, but it really maximizes on uh, getting rid of those, those downsides that are normally associated with vehicles, with electric vehicles, like, you know, what we just got discussed of having, you know, limited range or the other you know, big downside is, um, you know, the, the, the lack of infrastructure out there, right? I mean, uh, you know, we've seen over the last decade, you know, with uh, electrified passenger cars, you know, Tesla has done a fantastic job of getting refueling stations out there or recharging stations out there for passenger cars. But where we stand today, I mean, there is not a setup and, you know, uh, national uh, refueling structure for um, for fully electric or for uh, for hydrogen. And so from that standpoint, you know, one of our big strategies is let's just take a per- let's take advantage of the existing natural gas refueling stations that are already out there. Um, so I think that's one of the the big differentiators for us is is really you know kind of going back to those earlier points, just making it uh, easy for a fleet to be able to to adopt, um, and that also ties into the fact that we're not trying to do the whole vehicle from the ground up. We're really just staying focused on the powertrain, and that's. And with that, I mean, that's where we really see the area of evolution of the of trucks is, is in the drivetrain of the vehicle as opposed to the full truck itself. And, and with that, I mean, that kind of opens us up to have you know, partnerships with existing OEMs and deliver our powertrain solutions on the vehicles that fleets already operate today, already know and love, right? You know, they're already, they're already buying Volvo trucks or Freightliner trucks, and they've set up the, the networks for service and, um, you know, and dealer networks for purchasing these vehicles, those are already established. So we're slotting right into that already existing ecosystem. And so Tesla has right, this... So, go ahead. Go ahead, Dooner. Tesla has a Cybertruck. Nikola has the Badger. Will Helion have its own pickup truck? And do you need one to be a part of this fight? Is that the trend? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You go look at Twitter. That seems to be the common theme of people saying, hey, when are you coming out with your pickup truck? Uh, you know, I can... I can assure you, we, we don't have a, uh, a pickup truck at our facility right now. You know, that's, uh, you know, really we're, we're approaching this and, you know, we're looking at the class eight space and, uh, and really seeing how we can, we can revolutionize it. Obviously, you know, as, as opportunities come up in the future, we'll, we'll take a look at those, but, uh, you know, we, we've got a, a tremendous opportunity in front of us just with, uh, with the class eight market, as you guys know better than I do. I mean, this is a huge, huge industry, uh, one that, to my surprise, coming into this is an industry that these, these fleets that we're talking to are ready for for a new solution, right? I mean, it's they're eager to uh, to be able to try new technologies in their fleets and figure out ways that they can improve uh, the trucks that they're running. And so, uh, so that's you know, for us, that's that's awesome. That's you know, that's the uh, the market we're going after right now. Thomas, very exciting stuff. How do people learn more about Helion and yourself? Yeah, so you can go to Hylion.com, H-Y-L-I-I-O-N. 
Um, and we got, you know, a bunch more information about the hyper truck product that we've been discussing on the show. We also have information about our hybrid electric product that we're already shipping to fleets today, uh, as well as just more information on the company. Thank you very much for your time today. We wish you the best of luck, man. All right. Thank you. Wow. Exciting Thanks, stuff, Thomas. man. Exciting stuff. Are you, are you, uh, which one are you, which one are you into? You're in the debate, Nikola versus Tesla versus Hylion. Which one are you, which one are you jumping in? Uh, <clears throat> Hylion. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, cause right. Yeah, I, I really, well, I mean, you don't have to worry about the infrastructure. It, it's uh, you, you know, and he, he mentioned that, it, you know, the, the, the cost of the RNG is actually a negative or the burning of it is actually a negative impact on carbon. So it's slightly better. Uh, the infrastructure is already there. Yeah, you they're already on the road too. The hydrogen fueling cells. They're on the road too. Hey, Kev, we got Kevin Jessup up now. He's a marketing manager over at. Am I going to say this right? Is it? Has my friend Adam Robinson taught me well? Ceresis. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Solid guest, dude. We nailed it. Uh, hold on one second. We got some comments here too. Hold on, Julie Johnson. She says, uh, "Time for." Lightning systems to be featured. We're producing hundreds of electric commercial class three to six Ford and GM powertrains out of their facility in Loveland, Colorado. Room for everybody. Uh, exciting stuff. Reach out to me. You just click connect. Timothy Dooner on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll talk to you all about it. So, Kevin Jessup, Absolutely. we reached out to you. We invited you on to do a play at Ford. So uh, we let's just should we just play his track first, Michael. Yeah, let's hear it, man. I'm, okay. I'm excited. All right. We're going to hit. We're, all right. We're going to play your track, Kevin. Here we go. It's a short okay. version of a song I wrote called Forgiven. Looking back on all the lies I love You try to tell me your love wasn't enough Now I stand here Broken and bruised Looking for the one who holds the truth I want to be close to you Oh I want to be close to you Oh, when it's hard to see the light, you shine upon my soul. You've helped me through the darkest night when I had lost control. You've opened up my eyes and now I know that I am not forsaken. Yeah, hey, yeah, nice work, Kevin Jessup. How long have you been uh, playing? And did you go like uh, Dave Grohl's Foo Fighters style? Did you write all that stuff? Then you just do the backing band live? Uh, yeah, man, uh, I've been playing for about 15 years now, um, but this is the first song I've, I've ever written, uh, so it's really weird hearing it uh, played back. I've, I've actually never heard that before, uh, not singing it, so that, that was really surreal for me <laughs> but yeah i i play uh cover stuff uh around town at different bars and i actually do play a lot of foo fighters so there you go <laughs> <laughs> what's nice. your uh what's your what's your number one foo fighter song uh the one that gets request uh, requested the most is everlong 
So, right. you know, can't go wrong with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Really nice, really nice, Kevin. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and, and uh, it is kind of weird hearing yourself taped, right? Uh, singing a song and, <laughs> and, and playing. It's it's a little bit strange. <laughs> it's a little bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're the marketing manager at at Sarasis, but uh, you earned your chops doing uh, video production, right? So, how, has right, that yeah. skill? How has that skill really translated to marketing for a company for the company like Sarasis? Yeah, so with, with, uh, with Saracis, you know, my, my dad calls it Saracis, so don't worry. I'm a fan of Sriracha hot sauce, so that's why it keeps coming in my head. <laughs> right, yeah, it's okay. I've been there for four years, and my dad still can't pronounce it, so no worries. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I partnered with, with Adam, and, you know, where he's really good at creating the substantial content that really speaks to people um, from a point of education and being just this open-handed source. Uh, he's kind of missed the part of, you know, storytelling with uh, visuals uh, to do podcasts and all that. So that's where I kind of stepped in and helped him with production. Um, being more of a creative mindset, I, I was able to help him kind of fill in those gaps. So I just dove into video production as another way to tell the story and to uh, be another medium to help supply chain professionals learn their craft and to learn more niche areas. Kevin, I've always found, and this is no offense to a lot of the logistics companies out there, but I found a lot of the marketing really, really boring. And Freightways marketing is what yeah. attracted me to this company. But I've always borrowed sort of my de- design ideas, production ideas from other forms of media, from from pop culture, from, uh, from regular media, and not from what we're doing over here, which is by and large just a lot of pictures of, of, of trucks, you know, just just truck after truck after yeah. truck. How, so how do you bring that that outside, those outside eyes from working in a different industry and make this industry exciting and to draw customers to a company like Saracis? Saracis. Yeah, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, being being an outsider myself, um, you know, I've never held a uh, on the ground supply chain job. I, I my supply chain story started in sales and then moved into marketing. I, I feel like I just have more of an outsider's point of view, um, and then just learning the craft of uh, video storytelling, uh, combining that with solid content that isn't salesy, but is just a nice substance uh, to help supply chain professionals learn and educate themselves. Um, you know, being sold to sucks. Mm. Um, and everyone can yeah. smell the BS from a mile away, you know? So that was our goal going into it of just being an open-handed resource instead of trying to just create content with the ruse of trying to sell people. Um, if they come and visit our content and learn something and then also decide that they need help uh, with the transportation management system, awesome. Um, but that was never our goal. It was just to be an open-handed resource. So uh, finding other ways than just cool pictures of trucks uh, was always nice. Not to say that we don't use our fair share of cool pictures of trucks, but uh, you know, we try to do other things as well. I, I, I love that philosophy. It, uh, it, it, it's excellent, Kevin. Now we were, we've been talking about Tesla and Nikola and Hylion. Uh, who do you see uh, really leading the zero emission emissions trucking race? 
Oh man. Um, five well, I mean, year, five years. Is it, a, is it, we got Tesla, we got Nikola, or we got Highland. I, I mean, just the, the nerd in me wants Tesla to do it. Uh, just cause I, I like their design concepts, oh. <laughs> but I don't know. Because they're all kind of nerdy. I mean, right. Michael Vincent, they're yeah, all, yeah. Uh, the, the most traditional looking of them is the Hylion, right, Michael? That that looks uh, you you wouldn't necessarily know that that's a hybrid truck. I mean, it's slick looking, it looks modern, but it's a Peterbilt. Yeah, it looks. It, you're, I, I agree with you 100. percent It's it's the one that's least obvious. Yeah, I can see that attracting to people who are like not willing to just jump in a spaceship. I've shown like the the, the semi, <laughs> the Tesla semi design and the Nikola design to some of the trucking friends I know, like Ingrid Brown, and they are a little they they have to get used to that that design. I personally think they're cool. I love the inside of the cab. You know, I I yeah. I have a hundred dollars on a on a cyber truck coming next year, so I'm excited for that. And I think their semi looks cool as well. Uh, I'm just excited in the space. We're going to talk to Alan Adler now, but Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. How do people reach out and learn more? Yeah. Uh, just go to globaltrans.com. You know, uh, Cirrus has recently partnered with them, uh, or you can go to Cirrus.com. Uh, that, that's still up and running and, and firing on all cylinders. So uh, either one. Oh, wow. Okay. And Chris Jolly says he wish he had a lighter to hold up right now. This sounds great. And uh, Catherine Whitehouse says really nice, Kevin. So thank you for sharing that with us today, Thanks. man. Thanks for playing it forward. Take it easy. Hey, you know what? He he said something. It sounds like uh, sounds like uh, we won't have to be saying Ceresis or Ceresis pretty soon. It almost sounded like he was hinting that there might be a rebrand coming. Yeah, I, I, there there could be. I, it's it's easier, you know, to say global trends than it's easier. Ceresis, <laughs> right? Cirrus, it is Ceresis. Yes. yes, not not Sriracha. Not Sriracha. So introduce yeah. Alan Adler to me. I got to pull his number up here. So, so just talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about here. Yeah, why not? So Alan Adler is going to come on. He's, he's spent some time in the, in the uh, electrification space for, for vehicles, et cetera. And he, we're going to talk about, uh, talk about that space, right? So talk about the, the trucks, where we're going, zero emissions, um, you know, the different timelines, how realistic it is. Uh, we'll talk about the, you know, the different models that are out there, the different approaches and how difficult or how easy it may be with, uh, the, the different type of infrastructure, as we were talking earlier about with, uh, Thomas Healy, uh, at Hylion, the, you know, the infrastructure for refueling if, or, or just recharging in the case of like a Tesla. Uh, but when you get into Nikola and, and Hylion, you've got to also refuel as well. So talk to him about all those different trends and uh, where things are going in that market. What do we got to look for in the near and uh, long term? Yeah, we got Alan Adler on the phone, Detroit Bureau Chief at Freightways. Alan, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be back with you. I I realized, too, that you've been on radio plenty plenty of times where the station calls you. But for some reason, I did not have your phone number in my phone. But now it is there. I know. You and Connor. You and Connor, the intern. I guess we're not. I guess we're not Skyping today, are we? <laughs> uh, no, no, this is uh, not. Nope. You're just on your telephone. We, what we, the reason we're calling you up is we have been covering the electric vehicle space with the Tesla, the Nikola, and we just had Thomas Helion from Hylion. Can you break it down for us just a little bit? What's going on in the market? We just kind of want to wrap this up in a bow since we've talked about a, a several different companies with several different business models. Yeah. Okay. So let's try this. Let's try it this way. We've got three things going on. Uh, Thomas Hylion. Uh, excuse me, Thomas Healy uh, of Highland being the most recent flavor of the week, if you will. And it's a, and it's an interesting thing because what he's got, as you guys pointed out a few minutes ago, is the most traditional approach. The thing that looks 
most normal, if you will, and is a hybrid truck. It's part natural gas. And right now they do diesel electrics, but they're going to do natural gas electrics uh, next. So that's one approach. The next approach would be battery electric, which would be all the time on batteries. Now the drawback to all the time on batteries for a heavy duty truck is it takes thousands and thousands of pounds of batteries to make it go far enough, right? To make it meaningful. Then you've got fuel cell electric, which is hydrogen fuel powering a fuel cell gives you a lot of advantages, but it's the, it's the one that's out there the farthest. Now it's interesting that today Hyundai, who we don't talk about very much out of South Korea is shipping the first 10 hydrogen-powered fuel cell heavy-duty trucks to Switzerland. That's the first out of 1,600 that they're going to do. They announced this a couple years ago, but these will be in the hands of fleets in September of this year. So it's here from a fuel cell perspective. We don't have to wait for Nikola. Um, as far as the Tesla Semi goes, your guess is as good as mine in terms of when we're going to really see that, not just the publicity shots like we saw last week with the car hauler and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, uh, Elon Musk has a lot, got a lot going on, including a $1,300 stock price. So who's to who's to dump so, on that? But but I really have to question, you know, when we're going to see this at the Tesla Semi. So the 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 Hyundai that that's coming out is a it's a hydrogen you said it's a hydrogen hybrid it is it's a hydrogen no no it's not a hybrid it's a hydrogen fuel cell truck it's what Nikola says they'll okay. have in 2023 these guys announced a deal so how are they solving yeah, the infrastructure sure. issue with that with the with the refueling of it yeah they're working with a group in Switzerland called H2 Energy they have a joint venture with them they are building stations in Switzerland and remember Switzerland's not that big either. So, you know, they're, but they're building the, the hydrogen stations who have about 50 stations at some point. And Europe is farther ahead of obviously the U.S. and many places in terms of hydrogen infrastructure. But for right now, this is being done the way fuel cells need to be done, which is same routes, uh, geographic fencing, if you will, because you're not going to have stations all across Europe right away to, to fill up these mm-hmm. trucks. So you, you, you want to have a, a route that works and an area that works. The nice thing about a mountainous region like Switzerland is this will really tell you whether hydrogen's, uh, you know, the power of hydrogen is really, uh, special. And, uh, that's the bet that, hi- that Hyundai's making. Why is this like uh, like HD DVD versus Blu-ray or something? Like, why are there so many different formats during this amusing? I mean, I know whenever there's a new technology, there's several different formats that they go. But who are the carriers and shippers? Who do you think they're going to gravitate towards? We've talked to to Budweiser. I know they have 800 committed Nicolas, but I don't. Are those cash committed? Uh, there's been some, you know, what Nicola has been an interesting case study, especially with a bunch of shares being uh, dumped recently, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So what's going on with the shares right now? I wrote this on Friday. It basically is you had a bunch of shares that were sold at a discount before the company became Nikola. It was under the uh, the SPAC company called Vecto IQ. And they sold about 50 million shares, give or take, to uh, mutual funds and others at a discount, 10 bucks a share, right? Well, once those shares registered, which they did last week, those guys could go ahead and get rid of those shares if they wanted to. And who wouldn't when you get 60 bucks in profit, uh, you know, and start and start moving their shares out. Now, there's some of them that are still restricted, but most of the lockup on them disappeared last week. The other thing that happened for Nikola, or to Nikola, if you will, was that they issued new shares, 23 million new shares through what are called stock warrants, which basically is just diluting the number of shares that are out there. So, so people that have money, that made money very quickly on Nikola through that run-up that you talked about earlier at show, um, are now looking at it and saying, wait a minute, maybe we should 
maybe we should get out of this for a little while, come back if we need to. Obviously, Trevor Milton hates that. He thinks the shorts are on top of it. It's not really the shorts. I think a lot of it is is people just saying, hey, wait a minute, I did really well. We believe in the long-term future of this company, but do we really want to be here now? where we want to be. So it's, the shares are under pressure again today. Um, you know, I don't make predictions about where they're going, but definitely not going up right now. Hmm. So that, that, that's very interesting perspective. Uh, but when we're talking about the carriers and shippers who buy and will likely yeah. decide the winners and losers right. of, of all the different formats, right. as, as, as Dooner pointed out, but and then you're talking about the, the, the hydrogen fuel cells that are coming this September. You're saying they're here. What's the realistic uh, timeline for, for zero emissions for shippers and carriers? Well, okay. Uh, I mean, let's is it five years yeah. out or totally zero emission free? or what? Oh, it's more than five years. It's more than five years. It's yeah. more, more like the end of the decade. I mean, you know, until you truly have any kind of penetration. This is going to start slow, Michael, and it's going to start slow because, as you mentioned, with infrastructure and with other things, uh, you know, on long haul – which is what's best for fuel cells, okay? But you've already got test fleets of, of battery electric trucks that Freightliner has and that Volvo has running in California right now. I, I was able to ride on a drayage run down to Long Beach back in in February and, uh, in a Freightliner, and it's amazing. I mean, you know, they, it, it can get it done. Uh, you know, they bring them back, they refuel, uh, recharge them at the base at the, uh, this happens to be NFI that I rode with, and, uh, they can recharge them and keep them going. They've got 10 of the trucks. So guy who's assigned to an electric truck gets out, gets in another one. This one goes, gets charged and they, and they just keep it moving. So, you know, for, for a drainage run, which is typically the same route back and forth, right? Uh, you know, it works great. And when you say, what's the winner, there's no single winner simply because there's no single answer to, you know, everybody needs something a little different. If I'm, if I'm, uh, uh, Night Swift, for example, right? If I'm those guys and I'm running long haul, I'm going to be looking at fuel cell for sure because that's going to be over time when I can go into the Nikola plan where I've got, you know, my truck, my maintenance, my fuel and everything for one price. And I can do that according to what Trevor Milton says at the same price as diesel in a few years, that's probably worth looking at. Uh, but for right now, the guy who looks like he might have a leg up on this is uh, your guest today, Thomas Healy, because he doesn't need an infrastructure, Michael. You said it yourself. I mean, he does yeah. in a way. You've got 700 natural gas stations. That's not a lot, but it's enough to get it done. You know, and, uh, you know, natural gas comes and goes, right? I mean, you know, it it gets popular, then it doesn't. I mean, it's got its issues with, uh, you know, power to the real wheels and things like that. It's not as powerful uh, in terms of the fuel, uh, you know, and that sort of thing. So you've got, you know, you've got issues with all of them. And I think there's a place, like he said, I think there's a place for all of them. They're all heading toward zero emission or near zero emission. And what I love about the Highland, by the way, is you've got a, an electric motor good for 25 miles. And, and that sounds insignificant until you think about what happens inside a city where you're getting these zero emission zones. I don't know if you talked about this or not, but the, or these attainment zones, as they call them, where you can't run anything that's got, you know, emissions. So you switch over and you use your electric power during, during the inside the city stuff. Then we get back on the highway, start making electricity again through the, through the natural gas. Yeah. Alan, so, uh, I, think, Al, Alan uh, yeah. It's, I know in San Diego, like the third street promenade area is actually instituting, or they have city plans drafted up for those type of zones. We're hearing that through a lot of, right. a lot of parts of America. And that's a lot of these, a lot of these company founders, when they talk about it, they're talking about those initiatives and building out their fleets. And now's the time to build it out and, and to mature the market because of what's going to be required 
by regulations anyway. We've seen what's happened in California as well with the with the sales in there. I also have to agree with you what with what you said about that Nikola stock. A lot of people who got in for that ten to twenty dollar amount, they see it go up to ninety, they see it settle around sixty five, and now they're seeing it start you know drop like a lead balloon into the low fifties. That's uh, I, I agree with you. A lot of people are just going to jump ship. They're just you know, and it has nothing to do with being short so much as you're seeing the stock down trending. Jump off now if it starts going back up, and you have a good reason to jump back on. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's always a price point for everybody, right? But if this stock should go down far enough, you'll see the people who got out get right back in again. And and, and the thing is, you've got milestones coming, and, and Highland needs to be aware of this, too, because you brought up the SPAC when you were on the radio with them. There are certain milestones that happen with a SPAC. The same thing with this other thing. Sorry to get so technical, but it's called a pipe. It's a, 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 a private investment in public equity, right? You get to buy discounted shares. It's, it's similar to what happens with an IPO, except normal people could do it, right? So you can buy today a company called, uh, called Tortoise Acquisition or the ticker, cute, cute ticker is Shell, S-H-O-L. You can buy that. And when this SEC is done, and there's no reason to believe the SEC will not approve the merger, when that happens, that'll be a trigger point for the price to go up, just like it usually does with IPOs, right? Mm-hmm. Then what you got to watch for is when those those shares that they were sold, again, it was the same price, 10 bucks a share for these tortoise acquisition shares. When those come back and can be sold, if there's been enough of a run-up, you could see a repeat of what's happening with Nikola, where people, you know, you, you're going to have too many shares out there versus buyers. It's a supply and demand thing. And, and, and then, you know, you might see the stock pull back again. But ultimately, if you believe in the technology, it's not a bad place to be. And clearly, everybody's pushing this, right? I mean, you mentioned California last week. They said, you know, here's your years, guys, where you got to have this many zero emission trucks. They're not screwing around. No, Alan, we got to, we got to, we got to bounce. But in one word, Nikola, Tesla, Helion. Today, it's Helion. All right. Powerful stuff. Read his, read Alan Adler's work on FreightWaves.com. He's, he's covering the space extensively. It's red hot right now. It's really exciting. It's the decade of the electric truck. Take it easy, Alan Adler. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, guys. Take care. Wow. Thanks, Alan. Crazy space. How about you? How, how about me? What, in one word, my vote? Yeah. I told you, uh, highly on. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Is Emily Zink here? Big deal. She, she is. <laughs> All right, let's get Emily let's get Zink into is it. Here. She is in the house. All right, let's open up this bag of chips. <laughs> hey, Dinners. So big deal, little deal time. The first one in an article covered by FreightWaves journalist John Kingston, the commercial auto insurance market, which also includes truck insurance, has been weak for years, and that trend will continue. Big deal or little deal, Vincent? Oh, that's mine first. Uh, it, it, it's a big deal uh, for, for many reasons. It means pressure on, on rates, et cetera, moving up. It's a big deal because of everything that encompasses it. The reason why they've, they've been basically losing money, they, I forget what uh, John Kingston referred to it. He's a very smart guy. It's, it's basically their OR, and they're operating over 100 on average over, over the different years and getting, getting worse. Nuclear verdicts. Uh, third-party uh, funding of legislation for for those that are that are litigating, uh, making them longer, more intensive trials, et cetera. Caught running up the costs is all uh, all things that that uh, you know increasing that cost. But the other part of this and why it's such a big deal is that as John Kingston points out, it is not 
just rates coming up that can fix this. It's got to be safety equipment. It's got to be some tort reform and so on and so forth. So big deal. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, it's hard not to agree with you there. It's according to AM Best Report, the 2019 underwriting loss of $3.9 billion is the worst in 10 years, continuing a trend of progressively worsening results in commercial auto riders. Further, claims were 7% more than insurers had anticipated. The report says this, and this is really the big deal part, is going forward, companies will have to do a better job of pricing risks to be commiserate with escalating Lost costs on the pricing side. That means carriers are going to be paying more money for insurance. Well, this next one is not great news. More than 200 refrigerated driver jobs are expected to disappear after the Coca-Cola company has decided to end its production and sale of the Ottawa line of juices and smoothies. Dooner, big deal or little deal on this one? I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, the job loss is bad, but, uh, you know, there's been some great hirings going on in trucking recently that we'll get to later. But... I, you know, a lot of companies that have been talking about since the pandemic started getting rid of SKUs that are basically dead, that are taking up shelf space, that are just remaximizing the product line. Odwalla had its run. I, I don't I hardly knew her, right? I, I don't think I've ever drank an Odwalla. I'm more of a Snapple guy. <laughs> He's a Snapple a guy. Little deal. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with Dooner. The headline sounds like it's a big deal. It's a little deal. The 200 refrigerated uh, drivers, the, those jobs, they're going to be absorbed fairly quickly, I would think, into into the market. As Dooner said, we'll get to that. But uh, And I agree. Edwalla, uh, Adwalla, they got rid of a skew that was a dog. <laughs> Dishwalla. Dishwalla. Yeah, they had a really <laughs> short shelf life. I used to work at a deli in college, and I remember I always would have to go and check these drinks because no one ever first, no one ever purchased them. And secondly, <laughs> they would expire rather quickly. So I'm surprised this move didn't come a lot faster. But oh. you had hinted to this one before, <laughs> Dooner. According to the latest monthly report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, trucking jobs rose by more than 8,000 in the month of June. Vincent, big deal or little deal? Uh, anytime that the driver, that the jobs uh, uptick is is a big deal. It shows further strength. I think it's excellent. Now it was adjusted down a little bit, and it's still, I believe, it's still down from last year at this at the at the same time as far as the truck driving jobs are. It was uh, was it not the warehousing that really picked up more, uh, and is actually above last year, which is also a good sign. I think it's a big deal because it's a positive number. We need to celebrate it, and and uh, it, it shows some strength in the economy. I think that that's what they use for kombucha now, Emily, is uh, expired Odwalla. I think that's what, what they put in those it bottles. It tastes like it. It really tastes like it. I was going to say she, like could, she could translate those skills to the uh, roller dogs. You, uh, well, you got to keep that LIFO going. The worst thing about kombucha is some brands, they have like the culture is really like thick and globulous. So sometimes you'll get a mouthful of it and it's I don't know if that if they like strain the kombucha. I don't know if that takes a probiotics out. It would, it would be more uh, palatable. I don't know. I can't do it. My wife likes it. Um, let's see. Well, so, all right, you said good news. I there's a little bit of bad news going on this in terms of, uh, that makes it a small, a little, a little bit smaller. You talked about the adjustments, but, uh, the numbers were below June of 2019. So it was a great yeah. number for the month, but you know, it was better than May, not as good as last year. Uh, everything else you, you said, I agree with. Wow. Yeah, you guys don't agree much. Maybe so I should ask him for a loan yeah, today. He seems very agreeable. <laughs> I like it. Well, this is headline news today. As ride-hailing ride has been struggling, Uber is actually deciding to focus more on their food delivery service. Uber has announced that they purchased Postmates for $2.65 billion. Dooner. Is this a big deal or a little deal? I think it's smart for a few reasons. One is that Uber stock has really done nothing, so they need something to excite the market. I, 
you know, it's I think it's down to the 30s now. It came out. It was in the in the 50s. It was sitting in the 40s forever down to the 30s. It's up today on news of this acquisition of Postmates. Uh, there's signs that times are seeing how people are, are using these services. But one thing that is a part of this deal that really struck me in the article I was reading is that Uber is looking to integrate features like Postmates Premium, which is that sweet, sweet recurring revenue, that $9.99 for, you know, free uh, monthly delivery that Postmates does that now they can leverage their ride hailing into it and maybe make some sort of package where for $14.99, you can upgrade your Uber if it's available. You know, there's a lot of different options over here. And uh, as I learned before, recurring revenues are valued at like a five-time multiple or something in terms of like venture capital math. So uh, in terms of market people, I'm sure that will excite them as well. So a pretty big deal. Uber needed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, upset Emily Moore and, and agree with you again. Oh. <laughs> I could disagree with you, but I don't. I, I, I actually agree with you. I, I think it's a big deal. And for all the reasons that you did, you just talked about, Dooner, the, the different packages that could come from this. So it's a big deal for Uber and what they're going to provide. It's also a big deal because the space is growing. It's going crazy. There's a ton of different participants and, and there's there's lots of reoccurring revenue, but they're struggling with the revenue part of it, right? And it's growing in this cannibalism type of thing of, of acquiring and, and bringing them in and creating new and more reoccurring uh, revenue packages is what's going to be needed to make this space actually uh, profitable, to, to turn a profit, if that ever becomes of an importance, as Dooner kind of alluded to. <laughs> One day it might. <laughs> One day it might matter. That they, they, tried to buy Grub, they tried to buy Grubhub, Michael Vincent, uh, and so they got a deal on Postmates. It was two, about that 2.65. Grubhub sold for over $7 billion, so a decent deal. Yeah. Uh, the people at Postmates think it's an enormous deal. It's 2.65 billion nor- enormous deals, I think, at Postmates. Okay. Have they read some of the complaints of cult? I don't know. <laughs> Culture? I don't know. Uh, you never know. <laughs> well, Dooner, I think I know your answer on this next one because I saw a lot of social media activity surrounding it on your part. But Hamilton what? has arrived on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Do you think this is a big deal or a little deal? Uh, I, it's a big deal. I mean, I already watched it over the weekend. I had, uh, I didn't, so I, someone was making fun. I was getting shamed. I was getting Broadway shamed on Twitter because I said, I didn't realize that the play, like they, they just drop bars in there, you know, like they just start rapping during the middle of these. It's a very contemporary soundtrack. I never heard the Hamilton soundtrack. So I had no, I like, I knew it was about 1776, Alexander Hamilton and all that stuff. I just didn't know the way it was presented. It's done in a very modern way. I like that Disney did it. I like that, that, you know, they, they didn't over, produce it it still looked like a stage play but it was still well filmed and all that stuff so i thought it was cool i like when things like that drop especially during quarantine when there's not as much to do i think it's a big deal because i wanted to see it i couldn't couldn't go to broadway and see it uh live or it, so yeah i can't wait to do it. i did not see it this weekend i was too busy uh grilling stuff and blowing stuff up it was the fourth oh. so but I'll, I'm, I'm definitely going to check it out i think it's a big deal Jeez, now i just got yeah, not I- blowing stuff up shamed emily <laughs> no, Vincent put on quite the fireworks show. If you if you guys need to go to his LinkedIn page to see that, I was I was very envious. I asked if he could do it in the parking lot here at Freight Waves, and he said he probably needs a permit for that, which is true. But I feel the same way as Vincent. I really wanted to see Hamilton on Broadway, and of course, mm. it was sold out city by city that I used to live in. So hopefully I will get to see it sometime this week on Disney+. Plus. I'm very envious of you, Dooner. Well, this one's interesting. <laughs> NBC sports writer Peter King called competitive eating a sin. This all happened after the annual hot dog eating contest this weekend. Vincent, big deal or little deal? Uh, 
I think it's a big deal. I think, I, I, it, how is it a sin? I don't understand. It's a competition. It's a fun competition. Um, I, I think Dooner could probably win if you were eating kale or something like that. He's not going to oh, win the hot kale. dog eating contest Veggie dogs. for sure. Veggie dogs. There you go. Veggie dogs. I, I think it would be much more exciting if you used like, you know, stale roller dogs instead mm. of like freshly cooked, you know, Nathan's or something like that. But uh, I, I mean, it, it's it, obviously it's a little deal. I'm, I'm making a little fun here. Very, very little fun. But uh, why, how, why did he call it a sin is what I'm I'm I'm. I'll tell you why, Michael Vincent. I'll tell you why, Michael Vincent. It's a big deal why? because I'm sick of gatekeepers. I'm sick of gatekeeping journalists. We see it in all different <laughs> industries. There's journalists who are holier than thou or bigger than thou. And Peter King's whole thing is he doesn't think that competitive eating is a sport and it should be covered. He's a gatekeeper. Will be a gate crasher. Peter King telling people they can't eat hot dogs on the Fourth of July. I'm a vegetarian. I'm fine with it. How many? Like how much food do you think is wasted in restaurants, Peter King? You're really going to pick this hill to die on about hot dog eating competitions, especially in light of Joey Chestnut setting a brand new record, a brand new record. He eats 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. I'd like to see you do that. Previous record was 74. You know his record? He broke his own. But not even that. You know the next closest person? The next closest person only had 42 francs. And you know who beat that? Miko Sudo. She set the women's record. She ate 48 and a half hot dogs in 10 minutes. The runner-up, she only ate 16. Look at these accomplishments. Stop gatekeeping. I love- <laughs> I, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I love the passion. And I think the most incredible thing is that he now, Joey Chestnut, who you're talking about, just won his 13th national title. That's more titles than anyone in any type of sport but obviously we just said that someone and some people don't think that this is a sport but i mean to eat that many hot dogs in that short amount of time you have to i don't know your stomach (laughs) has to be athletic to expand i I don't even want to think about it right now but yeah no i of course he wins every year and no one could stop him but i love the passion there dooner hey happy birthday to molo (laughs) solutions it's their third birthday happy birthday to them andrew silver that whole team over there great job guys uh, you can catch more. We usually go with the rundown on what's going to be on Freightways, but every day, noon o'clock Eastern time, there's a live show. Tomorrow will be the Midday Market Update. I'm sure they have a bunch of exciting guests. Put that coffee down on Wednesdays. Another Midday Market Update. And then What the Truck, again, bringing it out on Friday, plus a bunch of other shows literally. And go to Freightways, tv.freightways.com to see the full schedule, watch the full shows. You like the audio version of this, you can subscribe to Freightcast, get every single Freightways podcast, or just look up What the Truck if you only want this on there. On Freightcast, though, you also have exclusives like the Midday Market Update. It only lives on that feed. So does the Freight Waves Morning Minute. All sorts of exciting stuff. Reach out to us on Continue the Conversation Online at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R. Or look us up on LinkedIn. You got Michael Vincent over there. And you got Emily Zink, S-Z-I-N-K, at Emily Zink. I love that picture you posted your hat, too. Me and the Minions did, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dooner. Speaking of gatekeeping, you got hat gatekeeped. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, though, I know we have, like, Two seconds left. I am in charge of a media company, and it's all about brand awareness. And I was branding myself, and I think people mm. love our Freightwave swag. So yeah. I, I was very supportive of everyone who stood up for me, so I appreciate it. Of course we would. You're our sister, girl. I appreciate it. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning into What the Truck, man. Looking forward to a full week after Amen. having a little time off. Got to recharge with friends and family. God bless everybody. Peace Take and care. love, everyone. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love.